the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 194, recorded Thursday, May 7th, 2015. Network Pyrotechnics. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tom Albright. I am your host. With us this week is Mr. Brad Grimes, my buddy and pal from Infocom. He is Director of Editorial Services. How are you, sir? Great. Thanks, Tim. Uh, also with us is Mr. Josh Frago, um, soundreason.org, the chief editor and everything at AV Nation. How are you, sir? Uh, waking up, but doing really well. Yes, let's mention the fact that we're recording this at 9 o'clock Eastern um, on a Thursday, which is unusual for us, um, so that means it's roughly 6 a.m. for Mr. Shrago uh, on the West Coast. We appreciate it, sir. Uh, but he already has his coffee and his hat on. Um, the reason for that is our guest, our next guest, uh, Mr. Mika Rieglzing. Mika is the Senior Vice President of Marketing and Business Development for Valens. How are you, sir? I'm good, IT, my guys. Uh, and the reason we're doing it so early is because Mika's in Israel. There's a slight time change there. So uh, before yeah. we get started... It's almost the end of the day. So I'm it's like, almost the end of the day? Yeah, well, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, 4 p.m. I wonder where... Uh, middle of the day. Middle of the day. Ah, man, end, end of your work day. How yeah. about that? <laughs> um, before we get started, I got a nice little gift in the mail the other day, and I'm going to show it to you guys who are watching this on video. So we're going to change cameras here. That is, uh, if you're watching on video, that is the change to the new AMX camera. Um, where's my box? There's my box. See? There you go. You can see uh, Nate there on the left-hand side, and you can see darn near everything else in the tiny little studio that we call home. So we're going to do this week with, with the new AMX camera because I kind of like it. Um, it just it gives me more. It feels like I have more room here. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, first of all, uh, last week, Mr. Very, uh, Mr. Shrago hung out with some, uh, with some cool, um, audio and video over the network people, uh, not the HD based T folks, but, uh, some folks that used to be referred to as, as AVB. Uh, there's a reason I say used to, um, Josh, we'll start with you because you're the one that actually went to the TSNA. Um, explain to people if they're not familiar, if they haven't read your piece or, or paid attention to the, the social What's going on with the Avenue Alliance, which is the, the, the official title um, of the overarching alliance, but what's going on with that technology in general? So with the Avenue Alliance, uh, when they sort of emerged a few years back, uh, one of the things that they were focused on was specifically, you know, the AV industry. That's that's kind of where they made their push. At, but the focus in general, when you looked at what they were trying to do, was to embed within the packets itself the uh, that were crossing the network the time-based information creating synchronization and allowing for audio and video to synchronize and allowing for you know all information to go across well a lot of 
other uh, organizations in the in, in the world decided, well, that's something we need too. And so industrial started to get invested in it. Automotive was getting invested in it. And automotive is actually the most successful place for AVB at this point in time. And then consumer as well. So we've got now, what they've done is they've reorganized Avenue into four vertical channels of pro uh, AV, consumer, automotive, and industrial. So now all the robotics machinery uh, you is now dealing with it and looking at time-sensitive networks. And they're dealing with it in terms of creating the packets and embedding it within the Ethernet and within the stream of data itself. So that way the sequence goes correctly, uh, the synchronization is there. And that's now become kind of... As, as opposed to how it might have been marketed to us in the AV industry, which was, hey, we've got a new streaming technology, they are now looking at it and saying, look, we're just we're trying to create a topology for, for Ethernet where under the 802.1 uh, IEEE guidelines, essentially, we are putting this in as part of the packet so that way we can have this time synchronization. And by having the four different verticals, now they've got a lot more investment coming about with it which gives it this added advantage that it didn't have before. And when it was just AV, and I know a lot of AV people were sort of, well, where is it? You know, it's been years. It's never going to get here. I'm never going to switch over to it. And, and having long conversations with them, it was really interesting to hear the difference between how they're looking at it versus how the people they initially target at for it are looking at it. So it was a really, really interesting conference, great conference. Uh, the Avenue people uh, put on a wonderful show, wonderful event. It got into some gr very, very deep dives into IT technology, topology, and applications for it. So I applaud the Avenue Alliance for doing it. They did. They, re uh, I really had a good time while I was there for the two days. Good, good, absolutely. Uh, Mika, from from your standpoint, because not only do you do you work for Valens, but you're also part of the HD Base T Alliance. Um, it, talk for a minute about the difficulties of taking a technology. Whether it's 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 HE base T or, or like they're trying to do with with TSN now, uh, but taking that and and bringing something brand new to the market and trying to get folks to to adopt it. I mean, you guys have been fairly successful, but at, at first people were a little you know um, at least within the first I would say six months to a year um, there was you know, there was one or two. Um, companies that jumped on board, but you know you guys had to do a, an awful lot of, of heavy lifting in the very beginning. Yeah, well, it's it's always difficult. First of all, I think there is a there is a, a major difference between you know what you develop in your lab or what is being developed in an alliance from a specification perspective, and um, and the actual need or the actual product uh, that is uh, required when a deployment starts. Okay, and you know again. Um, you need uh, time-sensitive application, but then you get into real problem, real applications, and uh, it's a long way. It's a long way, and it takes time to for, for an organization or for a vendor to to uh, understand that and come up with the right uh, mixture. Now, you know the problem specifically in the POIV that we dealt with when we started is that uh, most of the vendors that we met with, they said, "Oh, yeah, yeah." We heard promises like that given in the past so many times. Uh, so many companies and so many nice people came and approached us and said, yeah, we have a terrific solution that will fix all your problems. And eventually, 
they couldn't deliver. Okay, so that's and you know the the, the more investment companies uh, invested into developing a solution based on all technologies and they failed, the more difficult it is to convince them to actually invest again. You know, test the market, get the failures, get the support people and the salespeople, be educated, uh, and pitching that. So they are, they are extremely uh, extremely afraid. It's not as let's say uh, the, the professional AV market is not as conservative as other markets like the automotive when you have recalls but still you know you deploy a major uh, you go to a major product or project and you you bring your equipment and suddenly it doesn't work because uh, you are not familiar with that or is it or it might be too early so there is always an hesitation and you really need a good excuse for companies to adopt new technologies some companies uh, will go for that okay because this is their DNA Others will simply choose the wait-and-see wait approach and, well, jump the wagon once there are others who were the, the early adopters. And makes sense. Uh, Brad, for, uh, to Mika's point, is there a danger then in, in for some companies of to do a wait-and-see approach, especially in the day and age we live in, right? 30 years ago, we were still in analog. It was no big deal, right, uh, to kind of wait and see and make sure that you know, this switcher uh, kind of fleshed itself out or this new uh, in incremental change in resolution fleshed itself out. Uh, but today we we live in an age where, you know, uh, you know Moore's Law, be, you know, kind of put to the side for a second. Um, you know, is, is there a danger in, in waiting and seeing um, if, if a technology will, will play out? Well, that's a great question. And it's, pretty central to uh, the industry these days. I mean, I think, yes, there's a danger these days in waiting and seeing. Um, what a lot of companies need to bake into some of their strategies is how you um, go out and, and identify new opportunities and identify new technologies and which you pursue and which you don't pursue. And, you know, I don't want to be trite, but, you know, a lot of people talking about failing quickly. I mean, that really does have to become part of uh, AV companies DNA right now because everything moves so fast right now and technology moves so fast and trends coming out of the consumer space come and go and they're uh, you know some some t catch on very quickly some take a little longer um, but if companies are always in a reactionary mode and they're constantly waiting to see what the application will be and whether they have the skills to implement it, then um, they will always be playing catch up and people who understand the technology a lot better will swoop in and they'll be able to do things. So um, it, it's, it's a very interesting time for this industry in that it's changing so quickly and we are reacting to a lot of things out of the consumer space and a lot of technology uh, technological changes. And no, you cannot always wait and see. You need to go out there and you need to have visionaries in, on your staff who will say, you know, this is coming down the pipe, I think, and, and we should do something about it. Um, but that takes, you know, that takes some patience, that takes some strategy. You have to figure out how to fail quickly, how, how to do it and not let it affect your overall business. But you have to take chances and you need to go out there and figure out what are going to be the next technologies and how you're going to identify the opportunities. And it's funny you should mention that, um, specifically due to the fact that when I was talking to some of the guys from the Avenue Alliance, one of the things that sort of came up was the the 
Of course, being an, an AV engineer, I had to ask, so how do you view your competition with Dante? Or how do you view your competition with HD Base T? And they all kind of gave, I mean, they, they towed the line that they were either A, given, or B, truly believe, which is it's not. They don't believe it's competition. And one of the things that really, when I sort of pressed the issue a little harder that came up was they are a network topology. The others require specific chipsets. And there's that sort of thought process that goes in of one bad batch uh, of chips, or you know, if you're sole sourcing your chips, one instance of a CEO making a wrong decision or you know a bad component anywhere in that line, and all of a sudden, that entire wave of potential production has an issue. Whereas with a topology that's on the network and is open source, has that capability, and it's it kind of again, starts to push the AV industry and now the industrial and all the other industries that are working with it into that aspect of it's not sole source anymore. We don't just have one place to go. We have this ability to uh, anybody that wants to adopt it, any chipset manufacturer that wants to provide the product for it, but it's going to rely on some of the old models of somebody's going to have to make the module. So we're going to have that module aspect of do you want the HD base T, the Dante flavor, the Ravenna flavor, the AES67 flavor? Which flavor of module do you want to put your signal on the network? And then with AVB or TSN as, as they're now referring to it, um, that's going to be you know one that I see is it's giving itself a nice advantage, not in the next year, not in the next three years, probably not even in the next five years. But, you know, seven, ten years down the line, it's going to have the certified products that people have been waiting for. It's going to have those options, and it's it's going to be a bigger presence. Well, and that's, uh, uh, I, go ahead, Miko. Yeah, I, I, would, I, I would like to uh, comment on that, and uh, um, I have to agree. Uh, I think uh, one of the... One of the uh, uh, mind changing that we brought to the professional AV is the fact that they need to look for standardization. Okay? They need to stay away from all those proprietary uh, uh, solutions. And more important, it's about time that those vendors will simply try to uh, do whatever other markets are doing and you know it's, it's crazy as it sounds to those to those guys when we just started to pitch for that to actually offer interoperability okay between vendors okay god's sake you know this is in, in a professional av no way when we just started to promote it people said come on you're probably joking uh, but it took us some time to actually convey the message and i think that uh, avb or avenue uh, is actually trying to come up with more or less the same concept and eventually down the road this is the way that this industry should go because that's what the end customers are really looking for okay and eventually it's all about the end customers you know they're not stupid you know they, they see what's going on in other industries okay and if the professional AV market vendors would like to still remain relevant that's the approach that they have to go for uh, what is important is to understand that, uh, and this is something I'm trying to fight, hopefully I will be successful one day, is that uh, HD based T, from specification perspective, is not a proprietary solution. You know, it's, it's an alliance. Now it's actually part of IEEE. Uh, the alliance, uh, even before it was IEEE, 
allow uh, additional vendors to come up with their chipset. And uh, the bigger the opportunity, uh, the more vendors I would like to see uh, introducing HD-based solution. You know, it's like, in a way, it's like saying that HDMI is a proprietary solution, okay? Uh, it's the same structure, and now you have so many companies. So in a way, uh, we are trying from an alliance perspective to go exactly the same path, and I think one of the advantages that we have over uh, Avenue is that um, we already started with that a couple of years ago, so this gives us kind of uh, uh, an advantage, and there is no reason for us not to continue and push that direction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one, one real quick thing, and Josh will, will ask you this. Uh, did they mention or, or address the whole um, certified issue uh, when it comes to uh, their stuff? Because, you know, it, regardless of whether it's Dante or, or HD Base T, um, the one nice thing is that if you're buying their chips, it's kind of already certified, right, by the people that are making the chips. Um, I understand the topology and understand any, anybody can do it putting it on the network. However, one of the things that makes that I've enjoyed watching uh, the Avenue Alliance folks do is try to make sure that all their stuff plays nicely together. However, the thing that's been frustrating is the fact that it takes so flippin' long <laughs> to get things through certification. So did they address that at all? I will give you the same comment that their marketing chair from Avenue gave me. Um, which was basically name another orp open source topology that has had the, any kind of certification within less than seven years. <laughs> that was the answer I was given when I pressed <clears throat> on the length of time for certification was effectively, okay. it's an open source topology. It takes time. And we are looking, and again, this is, and this was something that I hit on in one of my articles, which was effectively when AVB launched, they marketed it as, yay, we're a streaming technology, which was not the way to present it to this industry. Because if you come to Infocom and you say, I've got a streaming topology, the answer is, it better be here by next June, and you better have all my favorite manufacturers on board. <laughs> That's not what they were attempting to do. That's what everybody thought they were doing. And so now they're trying to change the message a little bit and say, look, you know, it's not about today. We're not we're not doing this for today. We're doing this for tomorrow and down the line because we have to get the manufacturer buy-in, then we have to get production, then we have to get standards and certification and all of those things established both within our group as well as the IEEE. Then we have to get the interoperability factor and then we have all of the fa all of the things that bring it to market. So now you're talking about the capability. They specifically showed studios. Uh, one of the buildings for ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut is fully run on AVB. Video, audio, control, intercom, the whole deal. Hmm. But of course they can't really go into the details of the whole thing because it's owned by the mouse and the mouse has restrictions. So unfortunately we got to see pictures of the building and the, hear the story, but that was about it. I, I do not know which mouse you're speaking of. and Mickey. <laughs> I, I know Disney. which mouse I was being safe and not getting my butt sued. Yahoo. Good night. <laughs> All right. Next story here. <sighs> Californians. Uh, Nortex hey, AVC. I love my Disney. I know you do. Uh, Nortex AVC segment is shrinking. 
Uh, first quarter loss. Uh, this comes to us from our friends at twice.com. Uh, Nortec, fairly good conglomerate. Um, their audio, video, and control solutions uh, segment shrank in its first quarter, losing $2.4 million. Not exactly, you know, um, a great story uh, to start your Thursday morning off with. However, uh, it, it is what it is. Uh, Brad, one thing that, that I enjoy from uh, from Infocom is the economic uh, forecast and outlooks that you guys are doing. Um, are, are we still in a in a situation where, you know, economically and, and economics for, for AV where uh, companies should still be losing money or is this just kind of maybe an anomaly for them? Um no, no, no company should be losing money. I mean, it's, it's you'd ask them, that's certainly not their goal. Well, no, um, no, the, the, the industry is doing well. I mean, the overall economy is slowing and, and what have you, but in, in any economy, whether it's booming or shrinking, um, some companies are executing well, some companies are executing poorly. And I'm not saying this one is doing either of those two. Yeah. Um, some are consolidating, some are um, expanding, some are spending lots of money to launch new initiatives. So I don't, I don't look at this uh, with much alarm, and I think the news is actually that, you know, their loss shrank. So you know, one year they lose 4.7 million, uh, the next they lose uh, 2.5 million, which, you know, on the surface at least shows that they're improving. Um, it did indicate that sales were dropping in the in the pro AV market, but you know this is a company that has terrific brands, um, Speakercraft and Niles and some of these other brands that they have, um, you know, and they've got good leadership. They're just you know they've been been uh, consolidating some operations. So I don't I wouldn't look at this and use it as a bellwether for the uh, the AV industry, um, which overall is doing well, and we still uh, project to be growing. Um, in North America and around the world, um, but yeah, every company is uh, is operating under their own business plans, and um, you know some of them are doing one way and some are doing another one. Okay, very good, uh, uh, Tim. Let me yeah. let me uh, give you uh, our point of view. Uh, you know, uh, dealing with uh, some of the companies on their portfolio and other companies, I think that uh, we see a clear trend towards uh, 4K. And we see the demand coming, and um, and um, and I would I expect to see more and more uh, companies introducing 4K equipment that eventually are going to replace the existing ones, the 1080p stuff, which will uh, drive uh, revenues up. Uh, and this is this is clearly the trend uh, all across the board, uh, you know, commercially and residentially. Um, so, uh, from our perspective, at least, uh, you know, if we can, we can provide a kind of a snapshot of what we see or what we feel. I think it's going the right direction. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Very good. Josh, from your sp perspective, is that what you're seeing? Um, you know, we're, this is just an, anom an, an anomaly. Easy for me to say. Uh, for from you guys out in, in in the San Francisco Bay Area, is that you know, are we is the economy still good as far as AV? Josh, we lost Strago. it. Oh well, we'll 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 kick him up, up here in a second. So, uh, next story here. We'll, we'll we'll once he does reconnect with us, we'll we'll probably get his his uh, his uh, comments. Um, one of the interesting things that came out of out of ISC for me personally was was the projection mapping. Uh, we've got a story from AVInteractive.com about Volvo's D3s. 
uh, doing projection mapping onto a car, and that was actually one of the coolest things that, at ISC this year. Um, I haven't seen, obviously, there's going to be plenty of manufacturers, um, projection manufacturers at Infocom this year. But, Brad, from your perspective, is this is this a gimmick uh, or is this is this a real thing that that we should start looking at and, and start, you know, I don't know if specking is the right word, but um, start paying attention to and, and for designers, something that they can start taking to architects um, to say, hey, here's here's another uh, technology solution for you. Uh, both. I mean, for some, you know, it's a it's a gimmick. It's a marketing gimmick. It's a, it's a tool. Um, it's also a trend. And it's it's fantastic. It's one of the most exciting things going on in the AV industry right now. Uh, projection mapping, basically taking, taking anything and turning it into a projection surface. Uh, yeah, you referred to the Tesla that was at ISE, and this Volvo looks like the same kind of concept. I mean, at the end of the day, what really makes uh, the pro AV industry exciting and interesting. I mean, there is all the great technology that's out there, but it's what professionals do with the technology that that's really awesome. It's when they get creative um, to projection map on a uh, side of a building or on a car or something like that. Um, you know, that's where a lot of this stuff is going right now, and uh, it's great for the projection industry, which a lot of people have looked at and said, you know, how do projectors survive when I can just get a uh, a huge LCD and put it on my wall? Well, you know, people with uh, creative minds and a lot of software and, and uh, technical know-how have figured out how to uh, how to projection map on all sorts of surfaces, and um, I, I think it's great. Uh, I love it when these things happen. The Tesla thing at at uh, ISC was great, and I'm sure we will see projection mapping all over Infocom 15. Yeah, let me let me point something out here. This is not projection mapping in general is not new, right? No, no. You sh you you know, ten years ago, you could have gone out and bought a thirty thousand dollar spider <laughs> and projection map. This sucker is baked in, though. That's what's 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 so exciting to you know to guys like me and and, and Brett, the fact that it's you it, it's built into the projector itself, right? That that's what's kind of cool. So yeah, it's a the thing with a, something like projection mapping is someone always does it first, and they do it with the tools that they have, and they usually do it with a high price tag, and then people figure out how to do it better and faster and cheaper, and it becomes a tool that a lot of people can use in a lot of situations, um, and that's where we're sort of at with projection mapping right now. The technology has gotten so good, and it's gotten more economical, and it's within reach of, of many more marketers and uh, and advertising people and events planners and things like that, that you're going to see just a lot of it, and it's it's fantastic, and when you when you see it, and I'm sure you all have um, and you see it done well. It's it's really really awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Shrago, is your is your connection back up and running again? Apparently, it decided to take an early morning nap. That's all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> how was uh, how, how do you feel about projection mapping in general? And and, and do you design with it, or or do you, are you still watching it? It doesn't come up often in for us in Silicon Valley. I mean, yes, you do get the guys that want to go hog wild and go, you know, nuts, and and occasionally we'll get to do things like that, but it's few and far between. Um, where we actually get the opportunity, I'm a fan. I mean, I wrote uh, an article. I kickstarted a project last year by an artist named Khaki King, where the whole performance was. She she's sponsored by Ovation Guitars, and she got them to do a matte white guitar. And she comes on stage, and it's a fixed position guitar, so it's got a, a pole at either end at the neck and the bass. And what it ends up doing is 
there's a projector sitting directly in front of her, and they projection map directly onto the shape of the guitar while still running video behind her. So it's like going to see a movie as opposed to going to see a concert, and the music and the video are all synchronized. I wrote an article about this last December when I went and saw the show, and then I wrote another one recently saying, you know, hey, are we going to see anything like this at Infocom where, you know, she's off tour. Manufacturers could go hire her to come to Orlando and duplicate this in one of the small performance spaces there, and you could see the value in it. And it's really, really cool the way that those are doing. So I, I love seeing it. I love seeing it in really creative ways because it, it's something that you can't really do with the displays. With displays, you have to have the space. You have to have the wall. You have to have you know the infrastructure to support that. Whereas with a projector, if you have a high enough output lumen, if you have a broad enough lens and you're capable of putting it on the area that you want to or even narrow enough lens, depending on you know a guitar, uh, you can really put the image anywhere you want and in any shape you want. It gives you that nice little advantage. Yeah. Uh, Mika, as a, as a technology company, how do you guys, um, I guess, encourage the, the manufacturers that you work with to kind of push the envelope like this. I mean, Brad mentioned the fact that there's, you know, with technology like that, there's there's going to be somebody that does it first and typically with a bigger price tag, but then you're going to have folks that kind of step out of their own comfort zone and, and push that envelope. How do you encourage folks to do that? I think the, the trick is uh, to come up with your own initiatives and, uh, you know, share with the companies uh, potential uh, use cases. But sometimes it's not enough because, again, everyone is busy and, you know, it doesn't matter who you work with, they will always tell you that they lack the resources and they're extremely busy and they're not willing to take the risk. So normally the approach is that you probably would like to come up or design your own uh, evaluation kit or your own prototype and do some demonstration. Sometimes you need to go all the way up to the management Sometimes you need to do some uh, joint promotion projects. Eventually, it's lowering the risk or the effort, at least at the early stage. And then, you know, if it's if it's if it's if it's if it, if it makes sense, if it's successful, then it's easy for them to take it. From that. And we and we did it many times, and we are we are still doing it. I, I can tell you that many of the many of the use cases of HD based today's are based on early initiatives that we introduced to the different vendors. Okay, and uh, they took it uh, all the way to production. Oh, very cool. Uh, all right, next right here, uh, we've got a, uh, a, a, I guess a merger or a, a buyout. Uh, the TC group is joining the, the music group. Uh, and just to kind of get wrap your brains around this when we talk to brands, music group is Behringer and Bagheera and Midas. TC Group is Tenoy Lab Group and TC Electric, uh, TC Applied Technologies. The music group is the 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 acquiring um, uh, bigger part of this, I guess, is the best way to put this. Uh, just because, and I'm, I'm trying to use my words correctly because I don't want to say, you know, one is buying out or, or uh, hostile takeovering anything, it, but it, it definitely does appear that music group is the purchasing or the acquiring end of this. Um Josh, we're going to start with you because I've got a couple of things here. First of all, the fact that that music group, right, over the last three or four years, eh, four or five years, I would say, Behringer has turned themselves into a very interesting company. Um, the fact that, you know, let's just say that, that they, 
they weren't always looked upon favorably uh, as far as quality. You don't have to use past tense. I'm... <laughs> I have some friends. I'm not going to point fingers. I'm just, I have some friends who are using some of their products now and are very, very happy with them. But they've, they've aligned themselves with companies like Midas by purchasing them, granted, but they've aligned themselves with it. This, this new acquisition, is this giving them more credence or is this just, you know, a, a great business decision on their part? I... That's kind of two different questions. It's not an either-or situation. Uh, then, then answer uh, both. Okay, so is it giving them more credence? God, no. Um, and that's due to the fact that it's still isolated brands. You're still dealing with the reputation of Behringer, the reputation of Midas, the reputation of Clark Technic, the reputation of Turbosound, the reputation, the reputation of, and now, Tenoy, Lab Group, and, and, and Lake. You're, you're taking, and that's something that the music group has done wisely is not making it one brand that everybody lives under. They're, they're utilizing the, the goodwill that Midas and Clark Technic and a lot of those other brands bring. One of the things that they've also done is by buying these companies, it's allowed them to improve their Behringer product, such as potentially taking the preamp design from Midas consoles and applying it to the Behringer consoles. But that, that's, that's my point though, right? Is it giving Behringer this brand that has had some significant image issues over, over the course of their career, uh, over the life of their company? Does it give them more credence because they're doing things like that? I, again, I don't think it gives them more credence. I think what it does is it gives them more product offering to put out. And again, Behringer doesn't. I mean, they tried to play in the seventy volt space three, four years ago when I was still working at Toa. And they got their butts handed to them by us and JBL and Crown and everybody else in the 70-volt market. They just, We kicked the crap out of them for it. And that was the thing is they were trying – they are an MI company. As Behringer, they are an MI company. They play in the musical instrument world. They have good product offerings. I'm not going to knock them. They're not the same quality. They're never going to be the same quality. That's why you can pay – you know, $1,000 versus $5,000 for a Behringer versus a Midas console. And, but by doing this, one of the things that has really come into my mind is what they're trying to do. And I think more where their push is, is they want to get more of their products into the distrib distribution channel. And if they put themselves in this position where TC... TC products are things that people want. Lab is things that people want. Um, uh, Tenoy is something lots of people want. I mean, Tenoy is a standard for a lot of consultants yeah. as a ceiling speaker. If they can start entering more of their products into the distribution channel, all of a sudden now, Behringer can start to slip in there as well when they might not have had the door open to them because people will say, well, no, 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 we're not going to allow that to, you know, we don't want that in the distribution channel. Midas can start to slip in there as well. And you could start to open up that distribution channel of, as opposed to having to be more direct, it, it just broadens their, their expansion of the other brands that might have been more of a niche market. And now they can, you know, expand where that's available to go. That, that's kind of the one thing that I really see here as being the big advantage. I mean, for TC, you know, they, they got bought. I'm praying that they don't drop the quality because if for some reason you go into one of those lab group and amplifiers and you change one coil, you've just 
destroyed a wonderful product. Okay, they haven't touched Midas, right, since they bought them, and that has Not been... Not true. Well... Not true. They have. You're telling me that a Midas console today is not the same quality as a Midas console was 10 years ago. Yes. I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> I will I will guarantee you the preamps are not as good as they used to be. Okay. Guarantee you. We, we might have to test that out. Mika, from, from a manufacturer's standpoint, you start getting all these folks together, all these cooks in the same kitchen. Is it is it is it more efficient to kind of streamline things and, and you know, share preamps or share, you know, whatever technologies or would you rather, as a manufacturer, keep everybody kind of siloed? Well, you know, it, it has its uh, pros and, and cons, of course. Um, in a way, you know, if you are willing to listen to uh, vendors and, and assuming that uh, you really pay attention to what they say, then actually uh, having all those companies, you know, sharing ideas and, and, uh, and really trying to promote the industry, it's, it's extremely important. Okay? And you learn a lot. You really learn a lot. Uh, but eventually, you know, they, un- they need to understand that, you know, you cannot fulfill all their dreams. Okay? Sometimes, you know, they have different visions and concepts. And uh, so in a way, from, from an alliance perspective, you know, we were trying to do our best. All right. Uh, Brad, from, from your standpoint, and, and I'm not going to ask you to, to talk on behalf of, behalf of Jason McGraw, who's the, the guy that kind of runs the Infocom show. But it, we've seen a lot of this when, when companies kind of conglomerate together. Harman, um, uh, when they purchased AMX last year at, at the ISC show, it was one big booth at, talking this, with some folks. Uh, it will be the same type of, of thing at, at Infocom this year. Um, is that something that makes sense, uh, is to have one giant booth to, to, to kind of showcase all of your products, or is it kind of better, it's obviously not cheaper, but but better to, you know, segment your 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 offerings to folks. Wow. Uh, that's above my pay grade or outside right. my comfort zone. But I, the 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 easy answer for me to give is that's, you know, that's totally up to the, the, the executive leadership of these companies figure out, you know, whether we want to be in one booth or we want to be in, in many booths. I mean, as as you both indicated, there are a lot of great brands in this merger, a lot of brands that people recognize, a lot of brands that have been at the Infocom and other shows uh, for many, many years, and we still expect them to be there. How companies decide what to do with brands that they acquire, uh, whether they decide you know, whether to keep brands or to share technology between brands, you know, that's all part of their strategic uh, strategic plan. You know, one thing I do notice in this industry is that brands matter and brands stick around a long time. I don't, I don't see a lot of major acquisitions where brands just disappear. Um, brands have followings in the AV industry and, uh, you know, for better or worse, people are, are devoted to them um, through thick and thin. So we expect to see uh, a lot of these brands still at Infocom. I mean, the, the audio pavilion at, at Infocom is is huge. It's by far the biggest area on the floor, you know, and in this day of projection mapping and everything like that, you you, you sometimes lose sight of the fact that the audio industry is so strong. Um, if, 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 if Infocom is 500,000 square feet, uh, the audio pavilion is, is 20% of that. It's 100,000 square feet wow. or something like that. So um, whether they put it all under one umbrella or they put it under uh, several is, is a very strategic decision. Uh, 
that's that's up to them. Some people do it one way, some people do it another. We've seen it both ways. Um, it's not for me to decide, you know, which one is, which one is better. Um, but the fact that they're all there uh, continues to be a great sign, and you know, it uh, it uh, it projects the choice that uh, designers and integrators have in the market. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, this is one of uh, one of the advantages that uh, you know an organization or an alliance has. Uh, the fact that uh, basically it can show uh, different products from different vendors. Okay, now at the beginning, some of the vendors are kind of uh, against it, uh, but down the road they understand that you know some people find it much easier to to tell you know which companies hatch as which products and what are the benefits by simply going to one location, look around see the differences and then of course when they need more information they can go to the vendors themselves and asking a specific question on the product okay again this is something that only an alliance uh, can do by its nature by actually representing the, the industry or the vendors uh, need and uh, from our perspective you know we started to do it long time ago and we're going to, and we continue to do that uh, working with all the vendors making sure that they're all going to provide their products so it's kind of a one-stop shop where people can actually see all the newest products. Well, and to that point, one of the things I'm very curious to see at a show like this is, and I was curious if, if they would do it last year with Harman and AMX because they both, you know, have space. Well, and r r if all quick, of these booths have on, space, <laughs> why not show everybody in each booth? It's kind of turned each of them into a pavilion for their entire product line because then it's not just oh, well, I'm going to go see that booth or I'm going to go see that booth, show show them all together. Show them in those full environments as a unified thing. Well, and the the one interesting thing about the ISC booth, and, and real, real, real quickly, Harman bought AMX like right before Infocom last year, so they probably didn't have, didn't have that opportunity. Um, the guy that runs, uh, that ran just the AMX booth, uh, and I, I, I forget his name and I apologize, um, was actually the guy who put together the Harmon booth, as, as happens with when companies acquire other ones. You know, different people go to different segments, and, and, and he was, was the Harmon was so impressed with the AMX booth from Infocom last year. He's like, hey, they're like, hey, you know, here, here's the keys to our booth. And I think he did a really good job of, it, it was integration, right? It was integration in the truest sense because something that, that, Normally, at least in my brain, didn't go together, went together. They had AMX products with Martin products, um, Martin lighting products with uh, Soundcraft boards with, you know, uh, speakers. And it was really, really neat to see how they took the idea of Harman and, and kind of wrapped it all together, right? They're, they basically said, here's all of our stuff. This is how it works together, you know. So I thought it was kind of neat. So. And that's the way to do it when you're making full solutions, that's, you know, we did that at, at TOA. We literally built rooms and said, here's a boardroom. Here's a house of worship. Here's this. It's it's the best way to showcase because it takes it out of the abstract, look at my shiny new thing, and puts it in a practical scenario that everyone can appreciate. Well, and it, what, I guess what struck me was the fact that, that AMX fits so well, right? Uh, I'll be very honest, and I, I don't I think I said this last year when we had Joe Andrulis on the week that they that they announced the the murder, the the buyout it didn't make sense to me personally right as as you're looking at the company you have Harmon, this 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 big 
production company, right? They do, they make soundboards, they make lights, they make speakers, they make amps, and now they have a control company. And so it was it was at least refreshing to me and, and, and kind of clicked in my brain uh, at, in Amsterdam how that company fit in with the rest of them. So I think it worked. Yeah, but this is this is what, you know, eventually going back to my MBA school days, I remember what the people were telling, you know, eventually there should be some kind of synergy when it comes to M&A. Otherwise, you know, go and buy the stocks of the other company. And, uh, you know, it makes a lot of sense. You should have some synergy. And by the way, if you look today at some of the merger acquisitions, the only synergy you find is uh, the fact that you can get rid of some people. <laughs> this is not a pure synergy. Sorry about that. Oh, that's an interesting way to put it. Uh, all right. Speaking of, of getting rid of people and needing more people, uh, as we wrap up here, CD is looking for a new CEO. Uh, the bad, really bad um, um, uh, transition there, but we'll work with it. Uh, CEO, uh, CDA is looking for a new CEO. So, uh, if you're wanting to, uh, to be the new CEO of CDA, go, uh, go hang out with Corn Ferry International. Uh, they have, uh, CDA has retained them to look for their new, uh, head. Um, I don't know that I'm qualified, so I just, I won't even go down that road. So What's I, I, I will vote for you, by the way. Uh, well, I appreciate that, Mika. <laughs> <laughs> I think you would be the only one. Hey, what's well, Matt Scott up to these days? Uh, he's Canadian, and I don't know that he could be that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Probably could. All right, uh, guys, that's going to wrap us up for here. I need some more coffee, and, and you guys need to get back to work. Mr. Brad Grimes, thank you so much. Thanks, Tim. Uh, how can people get a hold of you and or Infocom? Uh, well, follow uh, Infocom on Twitter, uh, just at Infocom, and uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, BGrimesDC. All right. And uh, for those of you attending Infocom, you will see Brad uh, in Orlando. He will be the one with the red shirt. So, <laughs> along with a bunch of other people, the only one, the only one. And there's a Star Trek joke that I do with him every year, and he never gets it. So, uh, <laughs> uh, Mr. Josh Drago, thank you, sir. Thank you, Tim. Where can people find you? Uh, on the tweets at J S R A G O, you can email me now. So if you have vitriol for any of my comments today, at my brand new AV Nation email address, Josh at avnation.tv. Wow. Yeah, I'm very excited. Now I have a new place to check every day. That's <laughs> to the other seven emails I don't check. Um. So you can find me there, LinkedIn, Google Plus. If I ever bother to go back on there again but uh you know reach out say hi i'm always happy to have a chat and debate the, t the issues and and give you my shrigonian logic right. and you'll be going to infocom and teaching a class this year yes i will be at infocom and on wednesday at 12 30 i will be teaching system engineering for salespeople. so if you have people that are kind of new to designing systems or people that are going out in the field sales engineers that you think need a little bit of a brush up as to questions and follow-up questions it's going to be a very very interactive course um where we start to bounce the questions off of each other and what's the response and what's the follow-up and it's going to be very very big on that I'll also be, uh, if you have anything that you want to address with the certification board, please let me know because we do have a certification meeting while we're there. So 
uh, sitting down with the CTS certification committee, and uh, we want to make sure that you know your your certification needs are represented. So please feel free to reach out and let me know if you have any concerns or questions. Yeah, absolutely, and if you're if you are a CTS already, go by the CTS wall, find your name, and uh, and take a picture and stuff. So, uh, also Mika Riesling, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, where can people find you and Valens and HD Base T? Well, you're always invited to Israel. You can ask for me. You probably will find me. Um, another option, uh, probably an easier one, will be uh, just go to Twitter handle and uh, at HD Base T or just uh, see me or meet me at Infocom. Well, absolutely. Which absolutely. is just around the corner. Less than, well, right at a month. So, yeah, we are right at a month. Mm -hmm. So. Um, my name is Tomari. Don't don't follow me at this point, uh, but go by the website if you would please. Avnation.tv. Uh, Avnation.tv. A uh, couple things, really quickly. We're we're doing something, and I'm not gonna say it's a secret. It's just not something we're publicizing yet. Probably towards the end of the month. Um, the guys at HTBase T have been very nice, and they're coming on board with this. But um, just to kind of give you guys a, a a preview, I guess, or or kind of a heads up. Uh, we're, we're changing how we're doing things a little bit at, at Aviation. Um, how we're um, how we're paying for things, I guess, is the best way to put that. And uh, and we'll we'll let you more in, in on that. Uh, like I said, towards the end of the month. Uh, but I just wanted to take the opportunity to say thank you to, to Mika and the guys at HD Base T because they're they're coming on board with us. Um, if you if you're coming to Infocom, go come by our booth six 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 seven. We'll be producing this very show on Friday of the show from two to four uh, p.m. Number two hundred. It'll be episode two hundred, so that's kind of neat. Uh, I was asked yesterday if we will have pyrotechnics. Um, I uh, this was one of my clients for Innovat, and I, and I said, well, if if you would like at pyros, sure. What the heck? So I'll have to ask Jason about that. <laughs> well, I, you know, we, I'm sure we ask can ask for forgiveness, not <laughs> for, <laughs> not with the Infocom guy on the line, Shrago. Uh, so, but yeah, that we'll be doing that. Uh, we'll be doing a live life. We'll be producing the the Infocom Today show three times that week, uh, and also we have we'll have our tweet up, uh, our annual get together, our networking event. Um, you do not have to be on Twitter. Please don't think you do. Uh, really, it's it's a way for folks to meet in person um, and and trade business cards and network. It is Thursday of the show between four and six p.m. Uh, in our, uh, our little room uh, to W two two three A. Uh, is where that will be. So, uh, but for more podcasts, for more blogs uh, from Shrago and other folks, uh, you can go by the website avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for so much for watching. This has been AV Week.